welcome along to uh, one of the summary uh, podcasts from Forever Blue. Uh, thanks very much to Hot Click Marketing of Manchester, who have been supporting the podcast throughout 2019 so far. Uh, and, of course, are run by Tony, as I've mentioned before. And if you follow them at hot underscore click, or you find Hot Click Marketing on their website, then you can ask to speak to Tony, who's a City fan, and he'll help get your company to the top of Google Ads, which can be a, a tremendous boost. And if you've got Tony behind you, then you're going to succeed, aren't you? So we thank them for their support. Now, these shorter summer versions um, are going to be perhaps a little bit more about what it's like to be a City fan or specific memories. And I have with me today for this podcast, two of the regulars on the Forever Blue podcast. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to introduce yourself this week, lads. I'm going to introduce you. <laughs> so we've got Harlan, um, who's a regular also on some of the vlogs that we do, or uh, certainly the, the home games, and Paul from Prestige Car Repairs, we have to mention that, um, who is a big supporter of mine. We travel to European away games together uh, and obviously is a regular in the South Stand, as is Harlan. Um, so let's let's just think back, lads. I mean, this is the time of the season when there isn't one, <laughs> uh, when you sort of <laughs> reminisce a little bit, I think, and... And I, do, I just sort of wonder, you know, what your memories are of, of you know, what, what it was that drew you to City. I mean, I, I should start by saying that I haven't got a family history of being City fans. Uh, my dad wasn't really that bothered about football, but the memories he's given me of football were that he took his sister, who wanted to see Stanley Matthews play, this is how long ago it was, to the old Burnden Park, to Bolton Wanderers, and I think it, well, he played Stanley Matthews for both Blackpool and Stoke, but I think it was when he was at Stoke. And Bolton, now people listening to this will be able to Google this, and maybe I should have looked it up before I started speaking. <laughs> but um, it was the day of the Burnden disaster when a lot of people died at Burnden Park, and it was on the railway stand end of the ground. And my dad took me, his sister, my auntie, to the game to see Stanley Matthews. And he tells me that he was looking on down from the terraces and his sister couldn't really see and he couldn't really see. They could feel the crowd swaying about a bit and they decided after a while to just give it up as a bad job. And they went back and got on the train, went back to Radcliffe where, where they both lived and later found out that this terrible disaster had happened. So the reason I mention that is because my dad had never particularly had an allegiance to City as such. I wouldn't say had an allegiance to Bolton either, um, and he didn't have a massive allegiance to, um, you know, any football club. And so I think, well, where did my passion from City come from? And all I can remember is that when I was sort of five, six, seven, we I had an uncle, uh, Uncle Bernard, who used to come around. He's a big United fan, and I used to have a sort of bantery, teasy relationship with him. And uh, and he was always going on about George Best, and you know, and, and, and being really sort of. Uh, in a lovable way, because I loved Uncle Bernard a lot, but, you know, I'm a bit arrogant, really. And and I always went... I, I always identified with Colin Bell, this quiet, unsung hero. I liked the colour sky blue. Mm. And, and, I, and I always felt that City were humour, had humour connected to them yeah. and, and humbleness and, and reality to connect to them. And then I, I made a couple of friends, a lad, lad lived next door called Kevin, who was a, um, a City fan. And me and him used to play football in the street, and that that sort of, you know, that worked. And you know, then I'd, I and, and that's so I knew, there was no conscious day when I became a City fan. It just happened. But I was just a City fan, and <laughs> and as City, 
um, in the late 60s were successful. Um, I couldn't go to games until I was 10. Went along to my first game, desperate to go when I did. And, um, and, and, and the rest is sort of history, really. Uh, I just, what about you two? You come from different generations. Yeah, yeah. So what's your story? Well, I'm probably the generation after you, Ian, I would suggest. (laughs) He's not, he's not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think think when I I started being a City fan, it was, football was less tribal then. There was the rivalry between between clubs and stuff, but it was less tribal. Um, I remember my dad saying... um, Is your dad a City fan? Dad, massive City fan. It was weird, really, because my um, my mum was the one that really got me into football. It sounds daft, this. She used to um she used to play in a brass band called the Bezit Prize Band. Um one week they play at Main Road and then the week after they play at Old Trafford. So um, you know, they, they that's the kind of how they met through the band and everything. Anyway, she she used to she used to sing on the pitch one week at City, play the solo corner and sing on the pitch. So my grand lived at um on Thornton Road, which is kind of backed onto the Kip Kipax car park. So from being a baby you know, they used to sort of like let me go out in the backyard and open the gate and feed the police horses, uh, the police horses and stuff like that with sugar lumps. And so I always got the feel for, for being a I was never going to be anything but a City fan. Um, I mean, obviously, I could have gone the United fan bit if it wasn't for my grand being at Main Road. If my, mom, if my grand had lived near Old Trafford, I'd have probably gone that way. But basically, with my mum doing what she did and, you know, she had, she had a few contacts there and things, that, that, that was it for me. And I always like, I, I always saw United as the, the like, the big, big fast-track bullies with all the money and all the glitz and the glamour. And City were like the, 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 the kind of the cowboys in the white uniforms <laughs> as opposed to United in the dark, you know. And there was like the goodies and the baddies and City were always the underdogs and everybody seemed... So I just kind of liked that. I was never going to be anything but a City fan, ever. And and the other thing I tend to find is, is with City fans, we never we you hear a lot of United fans who became City fans. I've never heard of a City fan who became United fan ever. Um, when I grew up in Failsworth, we there was there was me and my pal Rob Owen. I think we were the only City fans. Everyone else was United, and and, and that was it. That was it. We just had to stick together and be City fans. It's great. What about you, Alan? You're a younger generation, yeah. of course. <clears throat> yeah, so 25, born in 1993. You're just a glory hunter. No, not a glory <laughs> hunter at all, Ian. <laughs> um, no, yeah, born in 93. Um, first ever football ground I visited was Boundary Park, believe it or not. I used to go there with my dad and his friends. My dad's a blue, uh, but he used to go to the Oldham games every now and again with my uncle Liam. My granddad's a, a diehard Oldham fan as well, but my granddad watched, watched City in the 60s. I've, I've learned more about my granddad's support of City the older I've got. Obviously, the more I've sat with him, the more I've spoke to my granddad, the more he's told me about Colin Bell, Tony Butt, other players that he watched throughout the generations. Um, he's talked to me about watching Oldham at Mame Road, what it felt like to watch another team play at Mame Road in Cup uh, replays and stuff like that. So obviously my my knowledge and my um, awareness of different generations of not only City but Oldham and football in general has, has obviously grown from listening to my granddad and my dad and my dad's friends and stuff. But the day I became a City fan, I kind of do consciously remember when it was and it was when me and my dad were driving through Oldham and we were having a chat just on a sunny day and we were listening to, I think it might have been one of your commentaries here on on the uh, G- GMR as it was then with uh, with Fred and 
I just remember my dad saying to me, um, yeah, I'll set you playing all right. And, and I said, oh, does that you support, Dad? And I, would have been, I was about seven or eight or something like that. And he was like, yeah, yeah. I said, but I thought you supported all them, Dad. You always go to Boundary Park. And he said, yeah, I can't go to every city game, lad. But um, I'm, I'm a blue, like, you're a blue. And, 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 and I'm a... And that was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 then then I was like, oh, I'm a City fan, so I'm going into school at seven eight. Then uh, who do you support? Who do you support, mate? Who do you... I'm a City fan, me. Uh, well, you shouldn't support City. You should support United. City, City, are rubbish. City will never do anything. This, that, and the other. And <laughs> and and that kind of drove my support more. The fact that I enjoyed supporting, like you said, Paul, the yeah. underdog. Yeah, yeah. And I enjoyed going into school not after the loss, but knowing that next week we might, you know, we might win next yeah, week yeah. and. And I didn't mind the ribbons because I always knew that something. I didn't know when, I didn't know how, but I knew that something was going to happen, yeah, and yeah. that one day I'd get to get to maybe see us lift the Thomas Cook Trophy pre-season and, Cook. and treat it like the Premier League <laughs> that title. That was the ambition, by the way. You know, you wait, you wait for a cup against TNS. That was the best it got at one yeah, time, yeah. and Lockeren, but that was amazing. Do you know what I mean? And just going to the club shop, getting a kit at the start of the season, all them little memories and stuff made being a City fan worthwhile for me. Do you remember a, a significant game? Um, and I mean, the first game I saw was in 1970. I was a 10 year old kid. And although there are certain emotions that I associate with that game, um, and you know, when City did those, those memories that are all around the stadium inside, I was lucky enough at one time to have mine up there. And, and I used, they used some of the quotes where I say things like, I literally could smell the grass which seems like a strange thing to say. But when you've never been to a football stadium and you're a kid because your senses are heightened, actually being able to smell the grass and they used to rub liniment on the legs. Yeah. Mm. And that, that was a very Smelled distinctive the, the smell. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and then Bovril and pies and, of course, everybody smoked in those days. So mm. the, the, the aroma of, of uh, tobacco smoke and all that. So, so it was all those things. But if I'm being honest... Apart from those emotions and maybe the euphoria, I remember in the crowd when City scored because they won 5-1 that night. I don't really remember the game because I was only young. Uh, the first memory that really sticks in my mind was on the way to the 76 League Cup final when they played Middlesbrough uh, at home and won 4-0. And it, Main Road was bouncing that night and Alan Oaks hit a screamer from the, the edge of the penalty area. And I can remember that game much more distinctly, even though I was only 16. And by then, I think I started to fully understand the game. That's, that's yeah. no disrespect to kids, but I started to fully understand the game from probably that point onwards. Was there a moment like that for you? My, my this, this probably sounds even weirder. When I, I I think of the early days at Main Road and stuff, my my, my sm the smell that rekindles it is the smell of horse muck and hot dogs. <laughs> well, especially if you were giving exactly sugar to the uh, exactly. police exactly. horses. Exactly, that was it. Because where 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 my grand's backyard opened out, it was like all cobbles, and then it was the car park, and you walk down the cobbles, and it kind of like there was this like little walled sort of labyrinth I can remember walking down hmm. so obviously the police horses are walking Ginnels. down Ginnels yeah Ginnels. the police horses are walking down there and obviously doing the business you, you were dodging that most <laughs> of the time so you're a little kid so you'd skip along next to your dad and he'd dodge it and you'd end up being dragged through it so you know it's like me uh... when I say that I always say look there's a United fan there yeah <laughs> 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 but no that I mean that, <clears throat> my first game I remember I remember, I remember going to matches um, the first game I remember was uh, it was probably Tommy Booth's 
uh, testimonial. Uh, sorry, Mike Doyle's testimonial. Um, was it 78, something like that? 78, 79, something like that. I remember going to that. Um, that's the first game I can ever remember going to. I've been to games before. How old were you then, then? Nine. Right. Eight or nine, something like that. So a similar age to when I was. Yeah, went. yeah, yeah. I think, I think when you... I, I mean, I see kids these days. I went to Wembley this year, you know, and there was a kid in front of me. And his dad, he was probably about seven or eight. And the kid was more interested in the flag. And he must have peeled apart the flags and took the plastic tubing out and opened it up and messed about with it. He'll end up being a mechanic. That's exactly, how they that, start well, that was me. Taking things apart. That was me. But, you know, my dad would get by a programme and by the time he got it back, it was all in pieces and the pin was out and the staples out and everything. But I think when, you, when you're about that age, you, you, your dad takes you along to it. You're interested in it, but your attention span's not as good. So most kids spend the time messing around. I mean, I can remember sort of like... Is it up yet, Dad? Can I go home yet? You know, it was that kind of thing. But it made me stay to the end. And that is why, to this day and age, I stayed to the, the end of the game. I clapped the players off because my dad said, no, son, we're staying to the end. We clap these players off. Dads have a lot to answer for. Absolutely. You know, because my dad, who I go, at the moment, he's he's uh, he's suffering some from some dementia and he's quite old now. My dad is 90. And um, one of the reasons That's why... That's how old you are, Ian. Remember that. Your dad, did he have you when he was about 12? <laughs> yeah. uh... well, well, I'm carrying a bit too much weight at the moment. And I blame <laughs> my dad for that. Now, I know this is off-city. but he, And even now, I watch him in the home and he goes, you can't leave any food on your plate, yeah, son. I'm, I'm you've got to man. eat every little bit yeah, of food. You're not leaving the table until you've eaten. Think, Dad, why did you make me do that, Dad? I can't walk away from food now. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. Go on, Harlan. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, you obviously don't have that problem because you're no, a lot slimmer. No, no, of course. It, cheers, it's nice one. No, it, it, it's, it, it, it's this is this surprises me when I hear people say what I'm about to say. Well, what they tell me when I'm about well, regards to what I'm about to say now. Like, there's a lot of City fans I meet that haven't seen Jimmy Grimble. And I, I, I this is a film for anybody yeah, who hasn't yeah, seen the, it. Yeah, the, the film, I, 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 I kind of go, you've not seen Jimmy Grimble? But my my first memory was the Norwich game at home, which I always mention, 1st of November 2004. Now, that can I just stop you very, very briefly then? It's very rude. But I just wanted to tell you that this week I was contacted by a City fan who says he's trying to make a musical version of Jimmy Grimble. Oh, wow. Oh, you're not the going to singing, is he? No, no, I'm oh, not singing in it, no, don't worry. No. So I'm going to follow that story, um, but they're definitely working on the possibility. Wow. And I, so what do you think of that idea? You know, tell us what you musical. think. Jimmy Grimble, a musical. Yeah, that'd be unbelievable. So anyway, so yeah, go back so to where you were. Th- there's a scene on Jimmy Grimble where uh, Ray Winston takes Jimmy to, um, you know, the, the programme seller, Bob, Bob Brewer, Robbie Brewer, and he gets him a programme and he walks up the steps and looks at the kipaks for the first time and sees the floodlights and just the camera pans onto Jimmy's face and he's just like, wow. And it was mad because I came up the opposite side, so I came up the east stand uh, steps to the third tier, which sat right at the top. Mum had got the me Etihad. off Vitality for my birthday at the Etihad yeah, in yeah. 2004 against Norwich. And when I watch that film back now, I get them feelings Steve, back yeah. and I think I was Jimmy that that uh, in that yeah. moment and it, yeah, yeah. it was unbelievable and just seeing like us come out of the tunnel for the first time and be there after seeing us on telly for so many years and going back to that I mean when I couldn't go to games I used to go like to the pub or I'd sneak in the pub and I'd get a kind of call call my dad would take me to watch the derby in the pub um, but the other the other place I used to go was I mentioned the lad last week Kieran he was only a baby at the time one or two years old and 
I used to go down to his dad's because he had Sky, and obviously Sky then you, you were lucky to have Sky yeah, if, yeah. if if you could afford it. So we used to get Sky because he used to have every game on. So everyone would go to his or watch it at his. And I remember just going round to to mix every time. He'd, he'd ring my mum and say, "I've got a game on Amanda. Ask Alan if he wants to come round." So mum would bring me round. I'd sit in his front room and I'd have Kieran running around. And his dad's no longer here now. And to be able to speak to Kieran about their moments and say. Your dad was so spe- special to me because I used to be able to go around and sit with your dad yeah. and watch us when I couldn't afford to go or they had yeah. no one to take me. And you're not old enough to remember your dad doing that for me. So you're going to take him so as well? So I'm going to... Well, Kieran's 18 now, so he's old enough oh, to go he? on his own, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I thought he was a little lad, by no, the way. No, no, no. <laughs> it was his 18th birthday the other week, so I'm talking... He was like two or three year old when we were playing against United at Main Road, so yeah, yeah. he's older now, but... Um, yeah, to be able to go to get to a game with him. Now, I've never been to a game with him. So to take care into a game now or to go to a game with him will be special for me. And I'm it's sure his dad circle, would be, be looking yeah, down yeah. and be, you know, be proud that me, of all people, is going to a game with his son. So they're, they're, they're special memories. But yeah, that night against Norwich, Willow Flood scoring a volley. Do you know what I mean? They were the players that, you know, no, no disrespect to Willow Flood. He was a good player at the time. But look at how far we've come from then. Do you know what it I mean? It not matter, Willow. It do not matter. Every, everyone that put a shirt on for me is a legend that plays for yep. City. They play for City and that's it, really. It doesn't matter how good or bad they are. Even Glauber Bertie. Even Glauber him. Bertie. Yeah, he was ace. He was, he was a great <laughs> throw-ins. He was yeah. great at throw-ins. If you remember that standing ovation? Yeah, Glauber, he did. And anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, there's a Brazilian that came in. I think he uh, came in as sort of mate of Rubinho. He signed with Zabba, didn't he? Same day as Zabba. He was came in as a double act, yeah. But but he, he was brought in because he was like... It, I think it was around Rubinho. It might have been Alano, but anyway, uh, one of them was, was a bit sort of lonely and didn't have anybody to, to <laughs> socialise with. So they brought Glauber Bertie in and he was like a substitute for every single game and never used. And then at the very end of the season, last match... Glauber Bertie comes on okay, with well, like three yeah, minutes to go yeah, or something. Yeah. The crowd gave him a standing ovation when he yeah. took a throw in. <laughs> <laughs> That's us in a nutshell, like, isn't it? It was like it was like sort of I don't know Led Zeppelin having a rider where they'll say we'll play at the Manchester <laughs> Arena as long as my mate Cheesy can come along <laughs> yeah. and, and play the drums. Yeah. And he just sits there with a triangle in the corner, but it was like it was like that, wasn't it? It was like brilliant. Unbelievable. Having yeah. said that, there is a, a Manchester group called the Rain Band that Martin Finnegan uh, is the lead singer of, and uh, and I actually did go on stage and play the tambourine <laughs> at City Square when the Rain Band was there because uh, Martin said. You know, come on stage with us. I thought I can't do anything, so I literally stood on stage and played. The so I've been in. I've been an honorary tambourine man <laughs> tambourine. in the rain band. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, unbelievable. A, t- a tambourinist. Yeah, a tambourine. Is there a such a thing? Yeah, tambourine. There is now. There is now. So it, it shows that we're all. Well, these these stories illustrate how important we are as a family of fans. Mm-hmm. You know, do you do you believe that? I mean, I do. I do. I mean, I, I, I've, I've always said this, and I said this to you before we sort of became friends, I think, and that I deal in my line of work with a lot of people, obviously bringing, bringing cars into the garage. I can spot a City fan within two minutes of talking to them. I just know the City fan. The fact they've got a City shirt on that, that does help when they've got tattooed across the head, you know, and, and, and stuff. Or a bit. They just, they just seem to be, there's just something about them that when I've got a lot of businesses that, who I do work for and companies that do stuff for me, and as soon as we get chatting, obviously, they, 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 we come back, we always come back to football, always comes back to football. They bring, might be bringing a car in for a, 
an MOT, a service, whatever. And it'll always come back to, to football. Yeah. You know, I do give it away a little bit because my garage has got a lot of City memorabilia <laughs> around it. But the walking, even if the United fans, we still have a good good crowd of it. So, to me, football has been an amazing thing as a kid growing up. And now I'm an adult into my business life, if you like. Football's a massive part because it breaks down them barriers for me. It's like going on holiday. Yeah. You put your football shirt on to go and watch a game. It doesn't matter what shirt that is. Someone will always come along and sit next to you and talk about... And you, you make a friend without having to introduce yourself. The, the conversation just starts flowing around football. Universal language, isn't it? Absolutely. It's a, it's a language in Absolutely, itself. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Breaks down barriers, it's massive. In your generation, then, is it the same? Because, I mean, certainly for me, let's say you're on holiday and you're sat sat in a bar or you're on a beach or something like that and you do, as you said, Paul, start talking about football. If you didn't have that football in your life, you'd end up either talking about probably politics or religion or the things that really cause friction between people. Now, I know football causes friction between people. You know, if, if, you, if you sat down, <laughs> especially you, Paul, with a Liverpool fan, <laughs> you, you know, you might struggle a bit. But, but unless it's somebody who is really aggressive and horrible, <coughs> which could be in any walk of life, Absolutely. even if you were sat with a couple of Liverpool fans or you sat with a couple of United fans, what you would have in common is that you are part of the football family. Yeah. And you have a, a yeah. shared passion. Yeah. Is it the set your age group, uh, Harlan? And I certainly don't mean this in yeah. in a patronising yeah. way. But you've grown up with social media. You've grown up with so many other things that you can do, gaming and all sorts of other stuff. Me and Paul didn't add that when we were kids. So therefore, this sort of having to talk and be friends with people was more important. Yeah. Is it still <laughs> yeah. important to you in your generation? Yeah. Do you think, you, you know, how does it work for your it, generation? It's massively important. And I think that what, what, what I'm quite, or shall I say, what my generation is, is quite lucky to, to have had is that we've seen the back end of the 80s and the start of the 2000s, and then obviously carrying on now into... You're into missing the, the 90s out then. Well, well, <laughs> we, were, we were 90s, but we've seen the back of the 80s, our 90s, and then obviously into the 2000s and, 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 and beyond. So I think that we've, we've, we've seen that transition from having no social media and, and no technology and phones just coming into the world to now having everything that you could have ever wished for, or, or even more. So I think that people that are 20, 25... Do appreciate what we've got, but still remember what it was like to not have that. And I think, mm. with regards to the football family thing, Ian, yeah, I definitely think that it's massively important because um, you know I, I, do, I, do, I do understand where you're coming from. That you would have to talk about other things if football wasn't a thing. And our generation is sometimes said to be, you know, more bothered about you know selfies and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, it is it is important that you that you have that one common thing to talk to everyone mm. about, no matter where you're from. I can hold conversations with eighty five year old guys, people at the lodge, um, Ian, uh, yourself. Yeah, you that know. was, by the way, different than the eighty five. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, when, when, you know, go back to the start of the podcast. I'd never met, I'd never met you, Paul. Mm. I'd only ever met M. Uh, the odd match when I when I'd say hello. I'd never met Louis. I'd never met Louisa. I'd never met Adam. Um, or Matty or Will I'd, I'd obviously knew Ian from a few years back but really I'd never met any of you but from what one conversation or hot a, a, a chocolate yeah. we're all friends and I think you know not every 25 year old guy would, would be like that and I think that's that's education from parents and grandparents and people within your family that do love football and it's their responsibility um, to educate 
the younger people in the family. Do you, do you think and, the and even young? Because I, I forget how young you are, but how old you are sometimes. I didn't realise we were 25, I thought it was younger. Do you, do you think the 17, 18-year-olds now are on the same generation as you? Do you, no. Do you think that... I think that there's, there's, a, there's an invisible divide, I think, that, that, that's come now where... Um, I think anyone that's born after, like, 2000 now is getting swept off the other side of it. So, for example, they're engaging in more of the social media side of things and, and the realistic side of football and the the observational side and the analytical side of football is being, you know, left by the wayside now when people are starting to become statisticians and strictly look at stats and strictly look at, you know, what the media want you to focus on. And they're kind of losing the old, without social media, mm. what would you be able to see, going back to the peripheral, yeah, yeah. peripheral vision stuff yeah, yeah. that you talk about, you know, what would you be able to see? The only time that my granddad could, could, could know about the football was when he listened to the radio but without TV and without TV coverage. So he would make his own mind up about mm. whether a challenge was bad or... Or yeah. what had happened within yeah, yeah. a certain passage we of the game? We didn't because... have all this super slow mo. Yeah. Looking back, you you were lucky if your game was on the telly. Then you had two games. You'd have one game on and, a, and another game as a backup, and so you got so, two games. There you go. So I think I think you know the people that are born after two thousand. Not everyone. So I don't want to be misinterpreted as I'm saying everyone, but people born after two thousand now that are getting swept up by this wave of social media and, and, and having to judge things a specific way and that's media driven and, and television driven and whatever and radio driven sometimes as well. I think they forget sometimes that there's a lot more to it, to football yeah, and yeah. to being a fan than just that. And I'd probably say now that it's getting towards a stage where it's probably becoming out balanced or it's going to end up becoming out balanced and the more knowledgeable realistic football fans are going to be outweighed by the people that are being swept off on this web I think what's the most enjoyable thing about being a football fan then um, for me I mean obviously everyone's going to say oh winning well <clears throat> as an old school City fan winning wasn't a draw was good enough for me it's, it's about the it's, it just harks back to what we've just talked about it's the actual socialising with people it's getting to the, you know, you, we all have our match day rituals, we've got the game. I mean, I, when, I, when I was at Main Road, I, I, I watched kids grow up. There was blokes who watched, you know, and people on the terraces watched me grow up because you stood in the same place. And it's like where, where I am now on um, East Level 3, uh, sorry, uh, East, East Level 1. It's, it's, there's people around there that I haven't a clue what they do as a living, what, what they're anything about them whatsoever. They're there on match days with us. And they all know about your match day stuff. They all know about what we do on Twitter and all the rest of it. But it's meeting them. You know, if I had to move my seat, I'd have to want to take all them with me. <laughs> because we're really good friends without really knowing we're really good friends. You know, you're concerned for them if one wasn't there one week, you know. So you're like a little family within a bigger family. It's strange. Match day to me is having a drink with my pals. Getting out there, we get beat, we get beat. I'm not, I am bothered, but I'm not bothered if that makes sense. That's not the important thing to me. The important thing to me is being entertained, get me money, get me money's worth, and I'm having a crap with me, mate. So let me ask you this as a as a final question for this sort of mini podcast this summer mini podcast. Um, has the because City are now much more successful and starting to win trophies on a regular basis, have you? Has it? Has it? Has it lost something? 
Yeah, in a way. Might, it's a bizarre. No, 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 some I, people listening to this will yeah, go, yeah. "What sort of a question is that?" But but you're talking about match day experiences yeah. and relationships, and you know it doesn't matter so much if we lose. But now that City are winning every week, towards the end of last season, people and I include myself in this, we're getting stressed because we didn't want to lose a game because the the trophy and we never so, used to feel that yeah, way no, no. in the old. So is that no? Ch- absolutely. I mean, I get exactly what you're saying. Apart from, I mean, I the last two se- last two weeks of the season, I was ill. I've still got a cold from it now, and I'm get, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's down to like run down through stress and probably a bit too much alcohol over them <laughs> periods. But I've seen I've seen a massive change in where I am. We're in the, the like the kind of noisy singing section bit, and we've gone quieter. And the main difference is, is that we're actually watching the football. 100% watching the football. We've discussed this before, haven't we, you know, about... Because I know you like to go to a match and analyse it, and I know you do. Well, I, I watch what's going on, and I know what's going on, but it's more about the, the match day experience for me and having a sink and the atmosphere and stuff. The atmosphere, to me, has dropped considerably due to the fact that we're not ballooning around anymore, dancing and singing and winding the opposition. Mesmeric football. We're actually, we're, exactly, if I could say it, I would... I would. <laughs> mesmeric football, yeah, mesmeric. Hey, hey, yes, hey. So you know, I'm watching this football, and it's basically we're all just, you know half the time we just end up turning around, looking at each other, and going, "Wow, have you seen that?" And looking at the opposition fans, so they're going, "God, are we going to beat these?" So it's completely changed for me these last two seasons. One for the better, one for the worse. My football, you know, my football side of it. It's changed miles for the better. The social side of it, at the ground, isn't as good as it used to be. But I'll 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 sell for that. Sell for yeah, that. I think for me, and I think it's like you know, I I I, I don't want to misinterpret saying this either, but um, I don't miss the old days of being a blue because I wouldn't. Or shall I say, I don't. Yeah, I don't miss them, but I wouldn't, and I wouldn't swap what we've got now for them days. I said this to the lads on the way home last week, but there's. Part there's a there's a reason why I wear an old city shirt to every game now, and it's so I feel like I've got a part of the old city with me every match day, because it's like you know everyone says well why are you wearing your your first half I shirt to the game and I'm like because it it because it because it connects me with the old city. You actually as wear well. a full kit though, don't you? Yeah, don't I did you? do once. I did do once, but that that was that was primarily because yeah I just fancied it for a change. What, so. what are you saying, bro? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you saying? Are you saying I'm a full kit? Don't you? Know? <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I think that just that allows me to remember what we had and what them moments were like going into school. Yeah, after, keep your after foot after planted in the just, past. Just, just yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think one of the things that upsets me now is that the expectation levels have gone up, which they were going to do anyway. We knew that. But one thing I'm proud of is that I've never allowed myself to get swept up by that expectation going up. I've always maintained that um, you know that that level headed grounded City fan mentality where I'm enjoying the way we're on now but you will never ever forget what it took to get to this point and, and I'm, I'm not saying that oh, it, it happened because you know we didn't have investment but that you know that investment did come like Ian said you know we, we did we did win the lottery and, and we are where we are partially because of that now but um, you know being having what we had and then having what we've got now being being able to say to my kids in the future I've not got any now but when I when I do hopefully have them to be able to say this is what it was like this is what it was like when I got to 25 and hopefully this is what it got this is what it was like when I got to 40 to be able to have that and know that I can explain to them that my expectation levels always stayed the same probably rose a bit because we have to have risen them 
but to know that I'm still the same City fan that I've always been is, is something that means a lot to me and I'll hopefully never lose that. This is part one of a two-part summer special. Uh, part two will be next week uh, and I'll have both uh, Paul and Harlan with me again for next week's part two. These are sort of not time-specific um, podcasts, which is what you're used to. They will come along um, and we are going to carry on all the way through the summer. Thanks very much to Hot Click Marketing for their support and you can hear part two of this podcast in a week's time. 